Hi all, you're about to listen to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. Ifrin's guest, the beautiful actress, Ginger Lynn Allen. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Ifrin Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Ginger Lynn. Ginger, how are you? <laughs> I am absolutely wonderful, sweetheart. How are you? I'm good. Um, before we start talking, um, how was quarantine like for you? And how did you manage to maintain? Because a lot of people said quarantine life was good for them. Some of them, some business-wise, professionally or personally, it wasn't good for them. How was quarantine life for you? Well, I had some blessings that came through during quarantine. One, my son uh, is in at university, and he came for spring break. And during spring break, they shut down the university, including the dorms where he was living. So I got to spend six months with my son as an adult, you know, as him being an adult. So he stayed with me for six months, which was just phenomenal. Um, and then when he went back to Los Angeles... I started going every weekend to visit with him, and I stay with Christy Canyon when I go. So Christy Canyon and I had the most exciting, fun, wild, and crazy summer ever. <laughs> it was fantastic. Uh, and I'm an artist, so my art sales have increased tremendously. Uh, people have been going, going to gingerlinart.com to... I just shipped six paintings yesterday, so my artwork is selling, and uh, I have an OnlyFans account, which is OnlyFans.com slash Blame It on Ginger, and uh, there are a lot of people that, that were just lonely during the last year, you know, including myself, you know, you feel isolated and alone, and uh, so I got to communicate and shoot videos and photo sets and, and interact with my fans in a way that I've never been able to before. Uh, my boyfriend and I have been together 12 years. We both work from home, mm -hmm. uh, so we're used to being together 24-7. The only big difference, we made a little patio set up out front so we could sit outside, and, and in, in the big picture, um, I've... I, I had a really good last year, you know, with the exception of losing friends and family members that, that did uh, contract the COVID, COVID virus. Um, my mother got it, but she, she made it. She's, she, wow. she didn't die, but a couple of friends did, which was devastating. Yeah. But you know how so, there's people that say, oh, COVID is a hoax, whatever. So you're saying, nope, it's not a hoax because I know people that have it, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh wow. And how about how about yourself? How'd you make it through? Um, at first I was furloughed for a while because someone in my job caught um COVID. So I was for a couple of months going a little bit stir crazy. I'm not gonna lie to you at the house, trying to figure out what to do. And it, it it's sort of like it plays with the mind, in my opinion. It plays with the mind because it, like where you're stuck with your girlfriend, significant other, or whoever you're with, is like it really tests your patience and really Makes you know, like, is this the person you're going to be with for a long time? If you're in a situation <laughs> yeah, where you can't run away or whatnot, like, everything is close, so you can't, like, run to a bar, you can't run to a restaurant. So, um, at first, it was kind of mentally draining a little bit, but then it's almost like, 
I found a passion more for like, you know what, like putting a lot of good new content out there. So I was like podcasting a lot and um, just focusing on what I need to do, stuff around the house and whatnot. So in a way, it was a blessing and a curse. But like right now, after working for X amount of time, it's like, oh, I wish Furlo would come back again because it was, <laughs> was kind of good. <laughs> yeah, I do understand. In the beginning, I, I did get, even though, you know, I, like I said, I do work from home, I did get a little stir crazy. Uh, and I, what I did was I started hiking, and so I live um, near this. It's called Black Mountain in Las Vegas. It's this huge mountain, and so I would go on three to five mile hikes every morning, which just cleared my head, made me feel better physically, and I slept better. So I adapted. I think that um, you know it, it, it's scary as shit. There's there's unfortunately. The, so many people have died, hundreds of thousands, and uh, in the, but in the big picture, for me personally, it was it was bittersweet. Mm. Yeah, you know it's 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 crazy how like the world has transitioned to what it is now with everything going on. Like everything, the bubbles pretty much is directly on the United States of America and it's like the United States don't get their shit together like these other countries get their shit together but it's like we're just like trying to play catch up with everybody else it's just kind of funny and we're like the most powerful country in the world you know yeah and and one one little bug can wipe out hundreds of thousands of us yeah it's, it's very scary yeah it's true it's true and, um, and it's changed the world forever I mean I I I don't think it'll ever be the same. They're always, like in, in a lot of the uh, Asian countries, they wear masks every day because of the air quality. Yes. And I have a suspicion that there will be people who will continue to wear the masks even when the virus is gone. Yeah. Or we've got it under control and, you know, we have the vaccines, whether we have to take them yearly or not, I don't know. But, you know, it's... It, I remember when I was in grade school, we, we had to get, I can't remember what the shot was for, uh, but everybody had to line up in the gym and, and you got vaccinated for something. So, you know, this is something that comes around uh, every hundred years or so we have a, 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 a plague of some sort. Yeah, we're always dealing with something. If it's not like nine eleven or like all these all this random stuff, like we're always dealing with something in the United States, you know. Like, I, in in our lifetime, yeah. there have been so many changes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, doing some research on you, you're from Rockford, Illinois. I am, and proud to say that I am from Rockford, Illinois. <laughs> wow, the Midwest the home, girl, <laughs> the home of Gingerland and Cheap Trick. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm originally from New York City and moved to Wisconsin. So, like, the Midwest way of life is basically hardworking people, mom and pop shops, and um, there's a lot of friendly people out out here. I can't I can't lie. Um, how was Rockford, Illinois, like for you growing up? Um, it was wonderful. You know, we have three rivers in Rockford, and so you know, I remember a lot of you know summertime when we would connect all of our our inner tubes together and put a keg of beer in it and just float down. You know, we'd have somebody drop us off at one end and pick us up at the other, and just float down the river all day. Uh, one of my favorite places was something we called the Artesian Well, Ooh. which was 
it was just an underground well with freezing cold water all all year long. And in high school, we used to sneak out and get beer and put our beer in the artesian well and just sit around it. It was just a pile of rocks with water coming up. And we would put our beer in it and, and get it cold. Um, but one thing you mentioned that I do, I, I, I miss terribly, is the friendliness. Yeah. You know, when I first moved to California, I'm used to being, you know, from Rockford. You see somebody, you say hello. Yes. And I, I still do that. I, I was at the grocery store yesterday, and I said hi to, like, three different people, and only one said anything back. And I think people uh, on the West Coast and the East, Far East Coast, uh, if you're not in the Midwest, you're much more likely to be weary. You think some everybody wants something from yes. you. Yes, yes. When in reality, you know, I just – I like to make people feel good. You know, if I see somebody in the store that – you know, maybe an elderly person that doesn't look happy, I'll, I'll tell them, you look really pretty in that shirt and put a big smile on their face. I like I like to make people feel happy. And I think that's a, dire- a direct result of being raised in the Midwest with Midwestern family values. Yeah. Do you miss having, like, do you like cheese curds or whatnot? Like, you ate a lot of the food out here? I, I do. I love them. One of the things my father... Uh, and my grandfather both rode Harleys their whole lives. Yeah. And so one of the things that we would do on the weekends, you know, because it, Rockford is only 15 minutes south of Wisconsin border. Yeah. So we would uh, take my dad's bike and I would ride in the back and we would go up and spend the day riding and going in and eating cheese and sausages. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, do, let me ask you this. Do you still do eat cheese and sausages now or you haven't had that since you've been here or... Um, I haven't had cheese curds in a while. The last time I had those, I think it was in Canada. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Which was a couple of years ago. But um, I had cheese last night. <laughs> I had smoked Gouda with a glass of wine. Ooh, it was nice. perfect. Yeah. And the sausages, um, I use a lot when I'm, I love to cook. Yeah. And I, I did a Thai sausage pasta yesterday that was just unbelievable. Ooh, that sounds amazing. Where did you get the recipe from? Uh, I made it up myself. Oh, wow, really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I love to cook, and I just, whatever ingredients I have in my refrigerator, I'll go, oh, that would be good together. Wow. You know, they say, have... <laughs> they say a key to a man's heart is his stomach, so you're doing something right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> There's one other thing that helps, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's, Yeah. <laughs> That's that's also true. <laughs> yes. Is this a, a, a Yes, you can say yes. Show? Yes, you can say yeah. whatever you want. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, sex and food are the key to a man's heart. Yes. Food probably first. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Believe it or not, even being a sex symbol, I still think that my cooking it excels my sexual prowess. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of sexual prowess, I know you probably said it Plenty of times in podcasts and interviews, and I'm sure you're tired of regurgitating it, but I have to ask for my people, um, how did you get involved in the adult industry? Um, I was working at a, a music land store. I was a troubleshooter, mm-hmm. working 70 hours a week, and I just, I, I wanted to live the, the, the California lifestyle, you know, I wanted to be by the beach, and I wanted to surf and I wanted to do all these things and I was in a little trailer park <laughs> living in a in my grandparents fifth wheel trailer when I first moved out here oh, wow. and so I yeah I answered an ad the paper for figure modeling mm-hmm. 
excuse me. And the next day, uh, I posed for Penthouse. And three months later, I agreed to do my first adult film. I was flown to Hawaii. I shot on the island of Kauai. I did two films back-to-back, which were, let's see, uh, The Pink Lagoon and a little bit of Hanky Panky. And I, you know, when I, they first, my agent had been approaching me to do adult for quite some time and i just thought eh, i i don't know if that's me you know i had the same stereotypical image of adult film stars uh as most of the world did back in the early 80s which was they were you know hookers and drug addicts and you know girls that had no, nothing else that they could do and and i you know it, i was so wrong i was so wrong uh, I met some wonderful, some of the best people I've ever known in the adult film industry, and I wouldn't change a thing for the world. I and and I was also lucky enough to be in it during the golden era. You know, we had red carpets. You know, I I flew to France and floated on yachts and mm-hmm. uh, walked on red carpets and and award shows that were just phenomenal. You know, I remember my first award show. Dino De Laurentiis was there. You know. Wow. So I'm I'm just a lucky girl as far as the timing went. It definitely was the golden era, and I loved it. Oh, I don't know what I was going to say, but when when I was cast in my first film, and it was shot going to be shot in Kauai, I, I suddenly got like nervous. I'm like, what if I can't have sex on film? What yeah. if what if I'm I'm you know what if I'm no good? What if I I, I freak out? So I did something called a, a loop, which was shot on eight millimeter with no sound. No. <laughs> and I did two of those my first day of filming, and uh, one scene was was with Tom Byron, and after that scene, I just went. This is the best thing I've ever done. I'm having sex with someone that's yeah. that I find very attractive. It's good sex. I'm get and I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. So it was just I, I'm the kind of girl that that fit into that industry, and a lot of girls, you, you know, you have to have the right mindset. You really need to be a positive person. You can't let the shamers get to you, and you have to be comfortable with who you are and the choices that you make. Mm. And and I am and I was. You was what? Um, I I was comfortable. Oh. I, I I am comfortable with what I did, and I was comfortable with what I was doing. Oh, I heard I heard in an interview before that you said you fucked Ron Jeremy, but you had to do a doggy style because you couldn't look at him, and you said if if you could fuck Ron Jeremy, you could do this business. So basically, like if if you can handle that, you can handle anything. Is that pretty much true? That's the exact true story. Yeah, I just left that out. I just told about the time. Ron was the second one that day, that first date. Tom Byron was the first. Ron was the second. And it is true. I, I went to the director and said, I, I can't look at this guy. I'm not going to be able to get off. There's no way. <laughs> so we did it doggy, and I never had to look him in the face. Oh, my God. So I guess it was pleasurable, but just not looking at him. Like, I guess his dick yeah, was pleasurable. Okay. It, it, it felt good. Just don't look. It's, it's like with the brown. There's a lot of, you know, funny terms for sexual acts. And there's one called the brown bag in it where you put a, a brown bag over someone's face <laughs> he would have had to wear a, a body bag <laughs> yeah oh, with man. just his dick hanging out <laughs> uh, 
It's funny that you talked about this because you you really haven't been in the business that long, right? Because you retired in two years and then you came, you did a comeback, right? Like you. Yeah, I started uh, in my first film on my 21st birthday. I filmed yeah. for two years, three months, and then I left for 13 years. Wow, that's a that's a large gap. Is there a reason why you left? Is there like a particular? Um, you know, I woke up one day and rather than saying, oh, yay, I get to have sex with this person or that person, I woke up and I went, I don't want to suck a dick today. And yeah. I knew in my head, I'd always told myself that um, I would be true to myself and because I didn't want to get any hangups or bad, I didn't want to leave the industry on a bad note. I wanted to be in it, enjoy my time and and leave when i was ready and that day i realized that i didn't want to do anymore so i went into my agent's office and i told him i said um you know i i know i have two movies under contract that i i promised to do i will uh commit to that commitment and do those two films and everybody was fine with that and i did my last two films and then for 13 years i i i when I first did, when I quit, I wasn't thinking about my bills, and I owned a home in Beverly Hills. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, and I just, you know, woke up one morning and went, oh, I'm quitting. Yeah. And then it hit me, oh, shit, how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah. But when I was a little girl, one of the other things that, that my, my cherished memories from Rockford is my grandmother. And my grandmother taught me how to knit. She taught me how to sew. She taught me how to make candles. And she taught me how to design jewelry. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I went down to a, a bead store. I put $3,000 worth of crystals and sterling silver beads on my account. And I designed jewelry. And I walked up and down Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood Boulevard, and Melrose and sold my jewelry on consignment for two years to pay my mortgage. Oh, um, my God. Wow. I'm a resourceful girl. Wow, you're a hustler and, too. That's a hustle. That's a good hustle too. You know, you're a hustler. Yeah, well, yeah. you know what? There's always more money to be made. There's always more money out there. You just have to be creative. Yeah. And so the transition was it was it was wonderful. You know, I was very lucky that I had a skill and a craft that I was able to uh pay my bills with. And then in 1989, uh a man by the name, oh no, it wasn't Tony. Lowell Smith Lowell was Smith. an agent and Lowell came to me and said, you know, I want you to, you know, go on tour stripping. And I said, I can't dance. Yeah. I can barely walk. I am yeah. so uncoordinated. <laughs> <laughs> I have no rhythm. Yeah. Um, and I, I finally agreed to go on, on the, the dancing the circuit. And I did that for 12 years. Wow. So I, I was a feature in clubs. I would be on the road two to three months out of the, or two to three weeks out of every month. And that was an experience in itself. You know, there's just, it was so much fun. And then again, when you're in a room full of other strippers, there's a lot of drama. Um, but it, it was, it was a good experience. You know, again, I made a choice that I was comfortable with. And then I, I, I woke up one day again, yeah. <laughs> years later, and I realized that I hadn't had good sex in two years. I'd had sex, yeah, but just not good sex. And the thing about adult performers is they know what they're doing, or they did back then. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they knew how to please a woman. And so I basically made my comeback because I wanted good sex. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is very different than today. You know, today 
Uh, I don't watch a lot of porn, but what I do watch, the women are are like Barbie dolls. They they move them around. They bend their leg this way. They twist them that mm-hmm. way. The guy's in charge. There's no two ways about it. It's the guy fucking the girl. Mm-hmm. And I like to fuck back. <laughs> That's you know, the, so yeah. I, I could never do it again in today's yeah. society. Uh, the only thing I do do is for my OnlyFans. Yeah. And um, I do things. Christy Canyon is one of my best friends, mm-hmm. if not my if not my best friend. And so we shoot things for OnlyFans. Uh, about once a month, we'll get together and, and do something. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people nowadays that, you know, they have their own content. They have like like you said, the only you have your own OnlyFans. What makes your yes. what makes your OnlyFans different from Tom Dick and Harry's OnlyFans or Jill and Jane's OnlyFans? Like what content do you provide for the people that you know, that's that that's enticing, like, oh damn, I have to be a member. Like, do you do anything that's out of the ordinary? My my specialty is the girl next door and making you feel like you are special as well. Mm. You know, I do a little bit of everything from, you know, I just don't do things with with other people except for Christy, but it's okay. very personal. I tell stories. Um, I, I do every kind of play, everything from foot fetish to uh, spitting fetishes to masturbation to cocksucking, uh, Pussy fucking anything and everything in between. They're they're very personal. When you watch one of my OnlyFans videos, you feel like I'm talking to you. Like mm. you, it's it's about you, okay. and so it, it's very personal. And I think I think that what what is the big selling point for me on OnlyFans is is a memory. You know, I'm the girl that you grew up with. I'm the girl next door, uh, and so I'm I'm pretty much still the girl next door in. That does really nasty things. In my own. <laughs> I'm the naughty girl next door. <laughs> and again, if people want to want to see it, it's OnlyFans.com/slash. Blame it on Ginger. And I love how you came up with the blame it on Ginger. You said from your radio days, right? It was yes. When I was on radio, Christy Candy and I did uh, radio for Playboy for ten years, and there was a day that uh, I walked in the studio. And I always take my shoes off, and I took my shoes off, and we're all sitting there for a while, and and there's a smell, and it's horrible, and we're all going, what the fuck is that? And we finally figure out I had been wearing my Uggs without socks, and my feet were wet. Oh and shit! So it was my Uggs, and I was so embarrassed, and they started making fun of me, and. And it just turned out that that I became Blame It on Ginger. And a lot of times in studio, when I started at Playboy, there was a list of about three pages of things that you couldn't do. So I didn't do those things. But uh, one example is it didn't say no cocksucking. So I had someone on the air and I gave them a blowjob. And I got called to HR the next day, as we all did. But the thing is... I never, I, I was called to HR probably a dozen times and I never ever went. <laughs> <laughs> and so poor Christy would go in and they're like, where's Ginger? Like, I don't know. I don't know. And so everything got blamed on me. It was always my fault. <laughs> oh my God. So blame it on Ginger. Blame it on Ginger. Blame it on Ginger. Whenever you get into a, a pickle or, oh, that wasn't. One of my grandma's words. <laughs> oh no, I'm turning into my grandma. Oh no, the Rockford's coming out of you. <laughs> it is. The Rockford girl is exposed. 
make it very personable. Yeah. I, I and I, you know, fans can text me. I always text back when they join. I I, I give them an audio message. You know, welcoming them to my site. And I try to keep things creative and different, you know, everything from, you know, lace to leather, uh, schoolgirl to nurse. Uh, I played a cop in one I shot last week, which was wonderful. Yeah. I got a little police officer's uh, costume and, you know, did things with it. My grandfather was a cop and I actually used, this is going to be weird, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. Um, I used his billy club as my dildo. <laughs> oh, shit. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. <So> very creative. <laughs> that is creative. And also close to home. Oh, my God. It's a little bit, it's a little bit weird. I know. I know. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, but, hey, it's, you, that was around, right? That was the only billy club around. So. I, yeah, it's not like I own one. Yeah. You know, why would I have a billy club? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh wow ginger like ginger and you know you're you know like do you like classify yourself as a hall of famer you know how they's like oh she's a legend you know she's this she's that but you know like do you consider yourself that like no you know what i'm ginger from rockford i'm yeah. nice to everybody i treat people well i hope to be treated the same way that i treat other people and i i never got caught up in the ooh, i'm ginger lynn I'm, yeah. i i'm I'm a very normal, nice girl that just tends to be kinky as fuck on, in, in her sex life. Yeah. Um, did they ever confuse you with Amberlynn? Um, not confuse me, but a lot of people think we're sisters, which yes. we're not. <laughs> no. No, the Amberlynn story is, is kind of funny. I, uh, I was in Hawaii, and I met this guy, and... We were together for about four months, and he started in on the knight in shining armor phase, where he wanted me to change my name, change my hair color, pretend I never did porn, oh, wow. and pretend I, I hadn't that I wasn't the woman that I am. And so I went over to Harry Reem's house, and Harry and I were doing shots. And I'm like, no one's ever gonna love me because I'm a porn star. And I was, you know, on the pity pot. Yeah. And uh, we were pretty drunk when the doorbell rang, and Jamie Gillis and Amber Lynn showed up. And Amber had not, she wasn't in the business yet. Yeah. And so she came in and we were, we were all talking and doing shots and she goes, I'm going to get in the business. I'm going to be Amber Lynn. I said, you can't be Amber Lynn. I'm Ginger Lynn. <laughs> and so we, we got into this little fight. Oh shit. And, yeah. and, but the thing is we were doing shots at the same time. So the fight turned into, Hey, you know what? Let's, we girls can have sex better than guys. Let's just have sex in front of the guys. So Amber and I, just fucked all over the stairwell, all over the living room, all over the house. And Jerry, or not Jerry, but uh, Jamie Gillis and Harry Reeves just watched, and Amber and I became really good friends. And, you know, with the names and both of us being blonde and similar in age, you know, everybody just assumed that she was my little sister. Oh, man. And that, that was far from it. So that was like the word of Lynn's come together. Ginger Lynn, Amber Lynn. Okay. Oh, my God. There's so, there's Mickey Lynn. There's Jerry yep, Lynn. Yep. There's Dana Lynn. There's... there's there's a hundred lens out there, yeah. which I guess it's a compliment. It doesn't bother me. I, you know, I'm still always going to be Ginger Lynn. Yeah. Uh, the only one that bothered me a little bit was Gina Lynn. How come? Why did that one bother you particularly? Because it's so similar and 
Uh, uh, okay. Just she was wild and was always getting in trouble and always doing these crazy things. And so people would think, you know, like she had an affair with Eminem. And I love his music, but, you know, I, I am way, way against men who hit women. You know, I, I hate them. Yeah. I despise them. And so the rumor came out that it was Ginger Lynn fucking Eminem. And I would never fuck Eminem. So the <laughs> fact that her name is so close to mine... Anytime she got in trouble, people confused us. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh. Yeah. So. Oh. Um. You know. Yeah, I don't have anything against her. I yeah. Just, you know, I'm me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. Um. You know, the way it is now, you know, it's so much easier to um access porn through like Pornhub, X videos, XTube. So much easier now. There's a lot of there's a lot of stars in the industry. Um. Do you if if you follow porn now, who who you think is like one of the best porn stars out there now? I don't follow porn anymore, and to tell you the truth, what I do when I want to watch porn mm-hmm. is I'll type in whatever my kink that is that day, and I'll just watch that video. I am so not up on porn stars today at all, and and in all honesty, yeah. I don't think that with the way the world is today and the internet and the easy access to everything and anything you want, I don't think there'll ever be a a big porn star again. There will be girls that are extremely popular, but there won't be a porn star. There'll be porn. And I kind of, I kind of categorize there's porn stars, there's um, porn girls, and then there's porn holes. (laughs) Porn holes? Oh. Porn holes. Those are the girls that will put goldfish up their butt. And oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, they'll never be anything. They're just the ones that, that do extreme things that um, are not even sexually related in my mind. I mean, maybe you get off on, on, on goldfish in your butt. For me, it's not a sexual act. Yeah. <laughs> but each, each his own. I'm not judging here. It's yeah. just not my thing. <laughs> Um, can I talk about Charlie Sheen? Sure. I know you're, you were infamous because you was all over the news with the whole, um, uh, oh, Ginger Lynn's with Charlie Sheen. While I guess at the time he was engaged with Kelly Preston at that time, I believe. Um. For the first three months of our relationship. Oh, the first three months. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you met on the set of the, was it the Three Musketeers or Young Guns? No, oh. we met on the set of Young Guns 2. Young Guns 2, Okay. Okay. I was working with Emilio and, and Lou Diamond Phillips and Christian Slater and Balthazar Getty and William Peterson, uh, you know, just a, an incredible group of actors and, and people that I, I respected and admired. And Charlie heard through his brother that I was on the set, so he flew in to meet me. Wow. And... Uh, we didn't, it, it was probably three or four days after he arrived, and every day after the set, or after shooting, we would all meet in the lobby and have drinks and talk and just, you know, get together, and on the third or fourth day or uh, that Charlie was there, you know, we'd been talking the whole time, uh, he was, I remember he was sitting on the arm of the sofa, I was on the corner, and uh, he asked if I wanted to go out with him, and I said, well, why don't we all go out together? I, I, I don't know why, but I just didn't i've never been a star fucker yeah you know i've i've fucked stars but it's i don't see someone go oh they're a star i want to fuck them yeah it's getting to know you know i'm real i have to like you to fuck you yeah it's really important to me uh and so we went we ended up uh all of us went to a strip club that night 
and I bought Charlie a stripper. I bought him two actually at the same time. And he was so cute. He said, you know, I, um, you picked the exact girls that I would pick for that I would have picked. So we kind of hit it off. We made love that night, which was Valentine's day. It was February 14th, 1990. Wow. And, uh, he was engaged to Kelly Preston at that time, but by, uh, St. Patrick's day, mm-hmm. which was, uh, you know, a little over a month away, uh, Charlie's, makeup artist was have wanted to have a bachelor party charlie asked if i could arrange it mm-hmm. so um i had just performed i had just done uh, a feature dance up in san francisco and the girls up there were so nice so i flew up to san francisco and picked out a dozen girls charlie sent us a, a private jet and we all flew to las vegas for the bachelor party and i had uh bought supplies and i bought these big plastic tarps and gallons of baby oil and dildos and all of these things so i and i laid everything out in the center of the hotel room uh no it wasn't here in vegas it was it no it was in i can't remember if it was vegas or los angeles it doesn't really matter okay um but i laid out all the tarps and i was putting out the dildos and the and the lube and and charlie pulled me aside and he goes are are you gonna you know be in the in the all-girl orgy and i said no i arranged and he goes oh good because i really dig you and i broke up with kelly so within a month he had you know broke off his engagement and we were together for a little over two years uh consistently and then we had another three-year off and on relationship wow so you yeah yeah, you was true you guys were truly in love with each other you're truly oh absolutely absolutely no uh we talked about marriage. We talked about, um, you know, staying together forever. But it just it didn't work out with. He had too many uh, agents and managers and family members saying she's going to ruin your career because we were together for years, you know. And they're yeah. like, you know, you can't do this. You're going to ruin your career. And um, I don't know what what you think, but I've got on to do over forty mainstream films, and. Um, Charlie's done pretty well as well. So I don't think that our relationship had anything to do with uh, his career or mine getting better or worse. <laughs> yeah. And then if that's the case, he's not listening to his agents now because, you know what I'm saying? Look, he had goddesses that were living with him pretty much. So it's like, exactly. you know, what the hell's exactly. going on with that, <laughs> you know? Well, he was 20, 26 at the time. Oh, okay. He was still, yeah, okay. So, you know, we, he was a baby. Yeah. Wow, uh, like do you have have you had any contact with him since then, or is just no contact whatsoever? No, Charlie. You know it's it's weird because I, I hung out with a lot of uh, a listers for a long time. Yeah, and it's funny a lister people are the kind that when they're done with you, they're done with you. Wow. you. You don't remain friends. They change their phone number. Uh, yeah, no, that was the only shitty thing Charlie ever did was stop communication with me because we were so in love and had such an amazing relationship and he just cut it off completely. Um, but then we kept running into each other. I was in Cannes for a film festival and I was on my podium and I was on the beach and I was talking to the reporters and I looked down the beach and there's another press junket and this one has a bigger crowd. And I'm like, what the fuck is down there? So I sent my assistant down <laughs> to see who was down there. And it was Charlie 
And we did that thing like, the, you know, the commercial where the two people are running along the beach and they run into each other and, you know, hug and kiss. And yeah. That's kind of like it was when we ran into each other in Cannes. Um, and this was after our breakup. And then we went to flew to Vienna together. And it was like, even when we were broken up, we still got together a lot. Yeah. So it's kind of like you broke it up by circumstances, you know, like pretty much people telling him don't be with her. But, you know, like the, the love was still there. It wasn't like it was gone pretty much, right? No, he was the first real love of my life. Yeah. Charlie is a gentleman. He's kind. He's honest. He's sweet. He's generous. He's loving. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about Charlie. He was, you know, a really, really good friend. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I want to talk about your connections with Rob Zombie because Rob Zombie, you know, he, he was Rob Zombie loves the seventies. He loves the eighties. Like he's a like a nostalgia guy almost. Like you know, like especially when he works with the same consistent actors in his films. And you know what was Rob Zombie a fan of your work or like how did he you get you get involved to be in quite a few of his movies? Well, you know, I've been cast in three. I turned one. I turned down the Lords of Salem, but I did Thirty One and of course the Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Um, but I I was called in for an audition just like anybody else was and I immediately got the role uh I just had a brain fart yeah of uh, Rob Zombie you got the role oh, for... Rob. oh okay so I got the role but you know what the, the, the funny thing Rob is one of my favorite directors to work with we just really he's he's an amazing director he tells you what you want he allows you to uh improvise as well which makes it even more fun uh, and I, he's the hardest working man that I know in Hollywood, but I find, you know, how you, some people like you and I are talking very casually. It's very comfortable. It's very easy. Mm -hmm. Um, Rob and I don't have that. It, it's hi, how are you? Oh, it's so good to see you and hugs and kisses. And then there's those pregnant pauses and then both of us talk at the same time and then there's not it, it, it it's a little our, our our friendship is a little awkward our working relationship is brilliant mm, okay oh that's interesting that's interesting so what yeah, you, i mean when we're on yeah. the set talking there's no problem yeah. it's just when it comes to casual normal conversation it, it's almost as though we both get stuck and don't know what to say oh my <laughs> I, but I adore him. I absolutely, I am so grateful to to have had him cast me and to get to know him and to give me roles that let me shine. Yeah. Excuse me, hold on a second. Sure. Oh, excuse me. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to have 50 mile an hour winds today. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, it's really windy right now. Yeah, that's one of the the things I don't like about living in the, in Las Vegas in the desert is it's always dry, and even in the spring when things are blooming, uh, we 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 get a lot of wind that comes along with the spring, and so all the sand and all the dust. I mean, you know, I, I have to dust my house like every other day if I wanted to keep it clean. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's very dusty. Oh man. Yeah. So, um, to Rob Zombie, you were saying like working working on his films or whatnot. Like he's very hands on director, and um, the roles the roles you've done in Rob Zombie films, um, it's kind of a 
not 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 a far stretch from like doing porn in a way because like you're having like sex scenes and whatnot. Like, is it different doing a sex scene? Of course, you're not really penetrating nobody, but is it like how do you have to get in that mindset like to do what you do? Well, you know, when I worked with Sid Haig, it was just it was beautiful. Um, the way that Sid and I met was I had been cast in the film but i'm a martial artist and yeah. i i had been fighting and i got my left knee blown out yeah and so uh they couldn't do surgery right away so my left knee was in a cast my left leg from my thigh down to my ankle yeah. and the set that we were shooting on was so small uh it was a, a little house out in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> sorry no sorry i thought my my dog has a sock fetish, and he was running around <laughs> looking very guilty. It's <laughs> okay. Here he is. That's my puppy. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go away now, mommy. Mom's busy. Uh, but no, it, it's very different in in a in a porn film. When I started, it, you know what? I'm going to take that back. In the beginning, when I made films in the beginning of my career, there were big sets. There were there was catering. There were makeup artists. There were you know 20 members of the crew. There were booms, and there were you know it was just they were big productions. And so and the scripts were you know 100 120 pages long. And then on page 10, it would say sex scene. It would just that's all it said uh, was sex scene and. So I really had to focus on dialogue and learning my dialogue and that I loved. Uh, and then the sex just came naturally. And when working with Rob Zombie, you know, I kind of took the same approach. You know, I, I developed my character, made my choices. You know, the scene with, with Captain Spaulding, uh, even though we are having sex at the time, there's a lot of dialogue and I'm very proud of my work in that film. Yeah. Uh, but so here I am with a, uh, I am on crutches and I've got this cast from my, my thigh to my ankle and the set is too small for me to get in there with crutches. I, 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 I just, it was, it was very small. And so they had the crew, you know how people go into a, uh, uh, the mosh pit or what's it called? Yeah. The mosh pit where they throw themselves in the crowd. Yeah. yeah. Instead of throwing me uh, into the crowd, they had crew members, passing me down the aisle oh my god <laughs> down the hallway to get to sid and all i'm wearing is a little red corset I'm no bra no panties and sid is lying on the bed and they just plopped me on top of sid oh wow <laughs> there was no you know this is sid this is uh sid Haig. this yeah. is who you're gonna be working with it's like okay here you go we got her on top of sid we're ready to go wow <laughs> Was, was was he naked as well? It, it, the scene uh, looks very revealing. That's why he's wearing a pair of tidy whities and <laughs> we were out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, in this tiny place, hot as hell. It was so freaking hot. And so while we're, I'm sitting on top of the city, he's wearing his dirty tidy whities. <laughs> his, his, his boys fell out. Yeah, oh, okay. okay, that's in the film, that's what I was wondering, yes. okay, yes, okay. <laughs> I've had so many people go, I, I stopped and froze it there. One of the funny stories is, Sid got married, and he had asked his wife, did you really fuck Ginger Lynn? And he's like, no, I didn't fuck Ginger Lynn. And she had the television, the video, the DVD, and frozen oh, on shit. the shot with his 
with his balls hanging out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sid and I talked about it, and we decided we would never tell. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> you see, I always wondered that, too. I was like, did she really fuck him on film? And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, oh, shit, you know? <laughs> That's that's a secret that will remain between me and Sid forever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but we became really good friends. One of the best parts about working with Rob is um, the friends that you make on the set. Rob is a very down to earth kind of a guy, and the people that he seems to cast in his film are all just so wonderful. When I when I shot Thirty One um, with Richard Brake. Um, unfortunately, Rob said, you know, we had our dialogue. He said, but just go for it. Have fun. And so there's, there's a half an hour worth of, of scene on the floor. They chose to, they they had, you know, they had, they did so many re-edits to get it to, to be able to be released that they cut out all of my dialogue. So in 31, I actually play. Doomhead's girlfriend, and yeah. so there's a, a whole there's a whole scene, like a really good scene, on the cutting room floor, and they chose just to leave the sex in. So when it comes to Rob, you know, I don't look at it as oh, I'm just doing a sex scene in, in a Rob Zombie film. You know, Rob creates wonderful characters for me and lets me uh, show my talents. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's what? What does the future hold for the lovely, vivacious Ginger Lynn? <laughs> well, I'm still working on my book. I've been working on it for about thirty years, but <laughs> yes. uh, I'm three hundred pages into it, so I really want to finish my book. And what I do mainly now uh, is I'm an artist. I've been mm-hmm. painting for over twenty years. I have an art site called GingerLynnArt.com. And uh, I, I've sold over 100 paintings. I just shipped six paintings yesterday. And I love it. it it's my... Your therapy, almost? Like. My, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's exactly that. And, you know, there's sometimes, like, when the virus first hit, I couldn't paint for, like, six months. Wow. I just, I, I would do something, and it would look like I was five years old when I did it. <laughs> they were horrible. <laughs> and and then it finally came back to me. I just finished a piece that I love called TJ. I have to put her up on uh, the site. I, I paint a lot of abstract and a lot of women. Mm. Well, how do you paint the women? Do you do, like, the, the human body of the woman or, like, the chest? Or how do you do the woman? Um, it, it varies. Sometimes it's it, it mainly it's, it's the whole body. Okay. Um, but I just sold a piece that I, I swore I would never sell because I fell in love with it called Caramel. Mm. And it's, it's from the thighs up profile Yeah, and just, just beautiful, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but, mm. um, I, like I said, it was a piece that I swore I would never sell, but somebody made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Yeah. I have a, I have a buyer that's bought like a dozen pieces of mine and, He's been asking about that forever, and I'm like, oh, you can't afford it. It's, you know, it's too expensive. It's too expensive. And so I finally quoted him a price that I didn't think anybody would accept. And he went, all right, I'll buy it. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there's a little bit for everyone. I don't have – I mean, my house is, is a gallery. I have the, a, a main room when you first walk in that is ceiling to floor covered in my paintings. And you, you, if you were to look at them, you'd think there are 10 different painters because I, I just paint what I feel. I, I paint 
from a memory, from a song, from a smell, yeah. um, from a dream, uh, from an emotion. And so they're, they're all a little bit different, and I love them all. Mm. You know, Ginger, you've been through so much in your life. You accomplished so much in all your life. And you said, you know, I think, you, I, think I, re- I read somewhere where Suze Randall pretty much saved your life when you was through your addiction phase and whatnot, and um, you overcome so many different obstacles. Um, like, do you figure, like, I, I, I hope you're writing all this in your book as well. I'm sure you're writing all this oh, in your I book. Am. You Absolutely. are? Okay, um, what do you attribute that to? Like, you know, you, you know, coming back from adversity and, and trials and tribulations and addiction, like, like how, how did you do it, basically? Like, how did you, you know, do it? You know, I, attitude, the way that my family raised me, and, uh, and I'm a survivor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I never look at myself as a victim under any circumstances. And uh, growing up poor with um, good guidance. My grandparents basically raised me from the time I was 13 on, and my grandfather was a cop. My grandmother, you know, was just my best friend. And so I've always made choices that I felt good about, you know. And when I when I went through my drug phase, uh, which it was the 80s, everybody went yeah. through one. Yeah. Um, uh, I made i i always make friends with people you know i'm really good at 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 getting to know you and asking questions about you and i i I just enjoy people and suze was the first one that ever shot me she shot me for penthouse and she was like my mentor and you know i i had it was about two or three months that i went off on on a cocaine bender uh and it was after uh the guy told me that he wanted me to change my name and all that and after my parents found out that I did it, uh, it was a really tough time in my life. And I just forgot what I'm talking about. You talking about Suze Randall and then... Um... Oh, oh, Suze. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 it was getting pretty bad. And Suze came over to my house one day with the joint, came inside, sat me down and said, you know, you need to get your shit together. Either you're in this business or you're out of this business. It's going to kill you if you continue to do these things. If you don't like it, don't do it. You, if you're going to stay in it, you need to be professional. You need to incorporate. You need to, you need to take it seriously. And you know, I, I was 22 years old at the time, which is you know, young, you know, for that much responsibility. And and I really took what she said to heart and. I did the things that she suggested and she basically saved my life. I don't know where, you know, if I would have just kept going down that rabbit hole or if I would have, you know, gotten it together on my own. But Suze was a huge influence on my entire career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she's a good friend. She's a good woman. I just spoke with her yesterday. Um, she shot me more than any other photographer ever shot me. And we just, we, you know, she's it's like an older sister to me. Yeah. She's like your Yoda, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, she's my Yoda. <laughs> uh, um, Ginger, um, how do you keep fit now? Like, do you have any eating special regimen, or you eat whatever you want, or like, are you particular in what you eat? Or um, I pretty much eat whatever I want. I try to stay away from carbs as much okay. as possible. Okay. Um, I hike up in the mountains and I do Pilates. Ooh, okay. I, yeah, I, I can't do. I did martial arts for 22 years, and I've had four knee surgeries because when I fight, I really fight. Yeah. 
and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm small but I'm feisty, yeah. and I just can't I just can't my body can't take that anymore. So living in the mountains where I do, you know, the the, the mountains of Las Vegas, uh, I I, have, I take my dog, and I just I have a, a really nice I have a three mile trail and a five mile trail, so uh, you know I take care of myself that way, and then I try to do Pilates three or four days a week as well. Cool. What is your height actually? I'm five foot fun. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! You know, seeing you on on television, seeing you, you would not, you would not think you're that that small. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I'm like five foot two, five foot one. Wow! Oh my god! You must wear some heavy ass stilettos. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because everything was proportionally even, yeah, it made me look. You know, you couldn't tell. Yeah. Oh and it's not like I was standing a lot. <laughs> well, that's that's true. That's true. You know, in the positions I'm in, doggy and and missionary, you can't tell how tall I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm curious about this question. Like, when you have sex, you know, with your boyfriend now, as opposed to sex on screen, like you said, the people who have sex on porn are like they're good. Because they're professionals. Like, do you have that in, like, in the back of your mind when you're having sex with your boyfriend? Like, this is not professional, but you don't think about that because you're in love. So, you're, like, you're happy and content, right? Um, I don't think about that at all from the first time we had to, He's as kinky and twisted as I am. Oh, okay. And so, it, and he's, he's a nice, normal guy. He's an accountant, but twisted in the same direction that I am. So, our sex was, it's better than any sex I've ever had. Wow. Yeah, no, he just knows exactly what I like, exactly how to please me. I know how to please him, and, you know, we, we take care of each other, you know? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like, if I give him a blowjob, I worship that wiener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully he's not a fast ejaculator once you're down there, you know? <laughs> oh, no. No, he keeps up with me just fine. <laughs> I'm a very lucky girl. I'm happy as could be. Um, my life is good. My boyfriend is is wonderful. My son is fantastic. My artwork is is you know my passion, and uh, you know it, it's all good. Yeah. It's, I I really can't complain. I've had a blessed life, and um, every day I try to make every day I live it as if it's my only today that I get, which it is, and so I have a positive, happy go-lucky, nice person. Yeah. And um, my final question for you, Ginger, is what would the Ginger Lynn of today tell the Ginger Lynn of yesterday? Save more money. Save, save more money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, but, you know, but there's the, the opposite side of that uh, as well. You know, I have traveled the world. I have been to every place in the world except for... Uh, well, I've been to Hong Kong and Japan, but I haven't been to, like, the Philippines or Taiwan or, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the Asian countries. But uh, And I haven't been to Russia, but I've traveled pretty much everywhere. And so, you know, I did spend a lot of my money, but it was on living. It was on experiences. It was on travel. And I don't regret that for a second. Yeah. Mm, okay. And, you, you know, know I, I'm... I'm comfortable you know i just i could have been rich <laughs> <laughs> you know you know there's people who live without regrets or people that have regrets do you have any regrets in life 
The only regret I have is Ron Jeremy. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, wow. It's funny because Ron gets beats beats up every time. He gets beat out every time. I love it. <laughs> well, he deserves it. He deserves yeah. it. Oh, and I know you think Tracy Lords is a cunt. And I heard you talk so much about Tracy Lords. She's a cunt. You know, right? Yeah, I love that word. I love that word. And it's usually I use it in a positive context. Yeah. With Tracy, I use it as most people would think I use it. Yeah. Yeah, just not a nice person. Yeah. You know, I have nothing nice to say about her. Ah, oh, she's pretty. Yep. <laughs> she's pretty. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the outside. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, you know, there's... A lot of porn stars that made the transition to mainstream and whatnot. You know, you made the transition. I believe Lisa N made sort of the transition, but like to radio. I think right. Tracy Lords. Um, there's been a lot of people that made the transition. Um, Tracy Lords didn't make the fucking transition. She did a couple of John Waters films, and she hasn't done shit in years. Nobody gives a fuck about her. Oops. Sorry. Oops. Say how you really feel now, Ginger. <laughs> Say how you really feel. Holy shit. I hate the cunt, okay? <laughs> I um, love, yeah. No, she, she she didn't make the transition. She did a couple of films and nobody wants her anymore because she's a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard some of your interviews about, like, what, what, what was it that she, she asked you to testify in court, right? Something like that? For that aspect yeah. or something? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Ginger, it's been a pleasure. Um, promote your social media, promote your Twitter, promote My Twitter is uh Blame It on Ginger. Yep. That's my handle. My OnlyFans is onlyfans.com slash blame it on ginger. Uh my art site is gingerlinart.com. My auction site is gingerlinauctions.com and that's a site where you can buy the lingerie of your favorite porn stars. Oh. They come they come to me. They give me their their lingerie, and and um, I post it for them. Oh, okay. So you can get your favorite porn stars used panties and lingerie because in film you can only wear the same thing a couple of times to get away with it. So the girls end up having bins and bins worth of, of clothing, and I do it for free. So if there's there's anybody out there that wants to post on gingerlandauctions.com, it's completely free. I do it so that I can help other people. Oh, awesome, Ginger Lynn. Um. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I hope 2021 is a blessing for you. And um, Aww, thank you. Um, best wishes to your family, your dogs, your son, your boyfriend. <laughs> and um, take care of yourself, and hopefully we can talk down the road. I would love that. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being so kind and, and creative. And thank you for having me on, my, on your show. Thank you. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks. <laughs>